need to throw the snowball at somebody. Why do I have Christmas lights down here? Oh, that's, that's bad. I'm just asking. I even have a bit of snow over there. All season. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good. Good to see y'all. Good to be with y'all. If you want to stand up, we'll pray and we'll sing a song. Father, we love you. Uh, we're here for you this morning. We give this time to you. Um, you're the only thing that makes it possible to get through the week, God. So we love you. We praise you for that. We acknowledge that. So we come here today for our thirst to be quenched, God. You're the only thing that satisfies, the only thing that ever will. So we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for that, God. So as a lot of us come here with busy minds and stressed lives and all kinds of things going on, God, I pray that we can just put that at your feet today, God, and fall into your arms and just rely on you for everything. And we thank you that we can do that. So we give this time to you. We pray for Leonard as he preaches, for us as we hear your word, for just us as your church, as a body, God, that we grow for you today. Oh, come, come to the water. All who are thirsty, come and be filled. Oh, come, come to the river. Brothers and sisters, come and be healed. Come and be healed. We believe. See the people returning, 
the love of the Father drawing us in. Salvation coming, Jesus our Savior, the light of the world, the light of the world. We believe in the kingdom come, we believe in the risen sun, you break our hearts alive. Lord, we come. Let the people sing the glory of your name. Let your revival come. Let the people sing the glory of your name. Isn't it wonderful to be in a place where the Lord's name is elevated like that? And all of us come here from our private lives, doing our, our thing in our own worlds, and then we gather in a space where everybody's like, yeah, we are of one mind and one heart when it comes to our Lord Jesus. And uh, so with that, go ahead and sit down. I'm grateful for that, by the way. Uh, that's worth celebrating. 
a lot, lot of things we're celebrating when we think about the Lord and his presence in our lives and our church. Uh, and just prayers that gets, get answered in ways that um, have been very encouraging. And I know a lot of you have had things that have been challenges that uh, you've shared. And uh, I'm grateful to be able to pray for you guys and the staff and the elders pray for you guys and each other. Um, so we wanted to just kind of uh, uh, keep that in the, in the, in the, uh, at the forefront for the moment. Uh, as um, we're moving into uh, uh, this journey towards Easter uh, during Lent. And uh, a lot of things happening in our hearts that the Lord's been doing. Uh, some of them involve um, uh, just uh, how God has been changing us and shaping us individually and as a church. And sometimes the circumstances that are happening that we're praying about and the things that God's doing in our lives are the things that happen to us. Uh, they're... There, there are opportunities for God to do a good work. Um, so I don't want to look at any prayer concern just as an isolated incident, but rather something that God probably didn't cause if it's a bad thing, but God will work together for good in some way uh, if it's a struggle that you're going through. And um, I, I just, I have a praise. Uh, uh, we um, have a, a person in our church that's just a very special person. Uh, Joe Carol Gray, who's been struggling with uh, vertigo. And she's been on the hearts and minds of a lot of you, and I know some of you have checked on her out at Auburn. And uh, I believe that um, pretty soon she's going to be uh, living with you guys at LA, which is a real answer to prayer. Uh, and I think everybody needs to be aware of that. So, so thank you, Rachel, for stepping in and helping, you know, in that, in that part of Joe Carol's Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it it's it's a joy to see God working in her life, and uh, and 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 just in other people. Uh, there's just I, sometimes I wish I could just stand up here and catalog all the things I've seen the Lord do. But I also know that there are those of you who are living in that period of uncertainty where you're not sure what the outcome is going to be, and we want to keep that lifted up as well. Uh, because if there is a thing that you're anxious about or worried about, um, pray about it. And we want to pray alongside with you. So if you guys join us online, have that kind of burden right now, please share it. Um, so let's just uh, let's start off a couple of things. I want to keep Peg Pans out in our prayers. She's going to have chemo on, on Thursday. So hopefully that's going to do the thing that the doctors are, are wanting to do. Uh, but we'll keep you lifted up. And I know my good friend, uh, Wendell Goddard, didn't get a good report at the VA the other day. And so please keep Wendell lifted up in your prayers. Uh, there, he's also, he and his son are also moving to a condo. And just a lot of transitions happening, but some uncertainty and disappointment, I know. Uh, but we, wanna, we want you to know, Wendell, that you are in our prayers as well. Okay. Um, anything else? Let's just go ahead and, and see if we can solicit some things. Joyce? Wendy Peterson, okay, just diagnosed with melanoma, okay. Any others? Okay, Di Diane's in stereo. So go for it. Oh my. Crushed it 
James Hansaker? Okay. So we're praying for James? Okay. Uh, just so you guys, if you guys didn't hear, um, Diane, uh, what, what's the connection again, Diane? Employee of yours. The mom. Okay, so the mom's son, uh, James Hunsacker, had a, a, a tree fall on his car while going down the road, and he's technically diagnosed as, as not, not responsive with his brain. Uh, so we want to pray for James and pray for a miracle there. Okay. Uh-oh, that's awesome, yeah, yeah. The reason I said uh-oh, it means that you're just even more off the chain now than you ever were. Yeah, yeah. And prayer request for Sammy because she fell skating and she broke her radius bone. Yeah. So Joanne tomorrow morning to the 4th find out the accident or what. Yeah, so Rachel's daughter Sammy had a skating accident uh, this week, uh, which was funny because she said, yeah, my dad had a skating accident at the same age, about the same time, the same way. And I bought her the skates. And you bought her the skates. So. <laughs> I said, just ask her dad, is there anything else I need to know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Be praying for, for that as well then. Well, uh, yeah, Diane. You guys heard that or not we've been working on our mic placement so that you can hear what's happening and it's it's been a little bit of a of a journey but um uh you mentioned your daughter-in-law amy who's having um really some very serious issues with her eyes and it's going to require surgery but there's a, a log jam with the insurance uh so you know sometimes a prayer concern has more to do with the logistics of things and it does the malady itself so pray for amy as well okay well we're going to go ahead and just move this into our prayer time so if you guys don't mind let's let's go before the lord and and take these uh to his throne lord jesus it is a it is a privilege to be able to represent the body here uh in the prayers that we have mentioned as far as the things that are weighing on our hearts um, I just pray for Joyce's friend who's dealing with melanoma. I just ask that you give her grace and mercy and, and healing. And I pray for Amy as well, that you would do the same. And this young, this young man, James, who is uh, uncertain about his state and whether you're calling him home or leaving him here. Lord, I just pray that your mercy be upon him and that in, in, the, in the way that only you can, uh, you would perform the miraculous and restore his his mind and his body and everything that is broken right now and just help his family as they are living in uncertainty uh, that is unimaginable. I pray, Father, that you would be with Peg and that um, you would help her this Thursday to have your strength and healing and that you would just restore her health and make her whole. 
I just ask you to be with Wendell and just help him, Lord. It's, it's been a long battle with, uh, with, uh, with the cancer that he's been struggling with. And I, I pray, Father, that you would encourage his spirit while, as our great physician, bring your healing touch uh, to bear upon his life. Thank you for the good report with Rachel. And uh, just pray for Sammy. I pray that you would bring healing to her and uh, just help her. And I, I pray, Father that as um, we lift up uh, Joe Carroll Gray, we are so thankful that you're watching out for her with the, the challenges that she's facing in this season in her life. And Lord, I know there are other things that are just sort of right, right below the surface within this gathering that we know you hear our hearts, you know our cry. And I just ask, Lord, that you help us in whatever way uh, we are burdened with as we bring that into this room. And Lord, as we look at your word today, we know your word has a way of taking our lives and, um, and in many ways we're just laid bare before you and uh, we measure up to what your word says and we see that in Christ, the perfect standard, uh, there is a, a deficit in our own lives and we pray that your mercy would follow your grace as you work to shape and change us into the people that you call us to be. Lord Jesus, there is nothing that we can do as a body without exalting you as the head. And you are the one who has brought into our world uh, your glory embodied in grace and truth. And it is a gift, Lord, that we are increasingly coming to appreciate and comprehend as we see how much you have given yourself for us. And you have shown us, Lord, not only a heart of deep compassion, but a desire to call us out of those things that um, are, are those places of darkness that, um, that you are redeeming us from. So thank you, Lord, for being patient with each of us. And I pray that you just continue to reveal yourself as we, uh, hopefully you find us in a posture of humility before your throne. Lord, give us hearts and minds to align with you as we uh, pray the prayer that you taught your disciples for the purpose of investing in them your kingdom vision, which has been given to us in this moment. So help us to pray with that understanding as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, can you guys believe we are two weeks away from Easter? I mean, it's just really coming upon us pretty fast. And I hope that as you've anticipated Easter this year, your experience has been, um, been, been one where you're, you're developing a deep appreciation for what's going to happen on that day as we celebrate it, even though it happened 2,000 years ago. And some of you I know, or hopefully many of you, uh, our, our goal is all of you have been able to, to track with us with the Lent devotional guide, and hopefully if you have, uh, you really get a sense of where we're trying to go as a church and what it is that we're trying to be one with as far as our self-understanding. 
And hopefully as you're going through these devotions, you're not only hopefully having a, a fresh sense of what the Bible is about, but also greater clarity regarding who Jesus is and how he is so personally involved in our humanity in ways that maybe you didn't realize. And as you come to church, the one thing that I do know is we've come through a season where our humanity's kind of beat up. And we need a little bit of help getting picked back up again and finding our purpose, finding our identity. And even as a church, uh, same. And the Lent devotional has really been, I've, I've written it for the sole purpose of helping us to remember who we are as a church and what our purpose is as a church. And it's not just so, hey, we can kind of freshen it up a little bit. It's because what is happening out there is broken, very broken. And there is no other voice in the world that the world can turn to than a voice that comes from outside of the world. And what Jesus has revealed to the church from outside of the world is a fresh vision for life, a vision that not only is saying, hey, this is a better way to look at things, it's a vision that's that, that, that has embedded in it the living and abiding reality of Jesus Christ. And there is something powerful about that. And I've seen that come alive in this body as we have paid attention to these scriptures. And this isn't just, hey, Leonard came up with a great idea. This is, this is beyond me. This is the elders soul-searching, myself, the staff, Asking the question, what does the Bible say we should be paying attention to in this season? And the verses that we've been looking at, I believe, are, 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 are the result of that question. And hopefully, as you've gone through the Lord's Prayer in the Lent devotional, and we've shared together in our message time around it and our, our, our study time, hopefully that's kind of become more real to you. Because the kingdom prayer of on earth as it already is in heaven is really our responsibility and burden in this hour to make the presence of everything good that is, that is defined in heaven to reassert itself in life here on earth. And the church has to be in tune with that in order for us to be a voice of hope for the world. The church is the hope of the world. And some of us give up on the church because, hey, we got sideways with somebody. You know, my, my daughter is in a church in, in Pittsburgh, and she's in a small group, and she loves her small group. Uh, and they were trying to do a project, and something broke down in the machinery of the admin, and, and uh, everybody left kind of upset. And she called me and said, what, what do I do? And I said, will you stick with it? Because a church is combined of imperfect people who, in their best self, want to do what is right for the Lord. And I said, whoever the conflicts are with in that church, at the end of the day, you guys are all there because Jesus matters. And so you got to work through it. you got to work through your stuff. Keep at it. And if it's an environment where people are open to that and where they are submissive, sub, 
submissive to the lordship of Christ, it will work out. And then I shared with her, that is just normal in a church with people who have wills, who have desires, who have goals, who have agendas and challenges. And Jesus, knowing that, said, I pray that they be one. And there is only one way for a church to be one, and that is if Jesus is the head of the church. And the Apostle Paul, whenever he wrote the scriptures that we're, we're looking at uh, in, in this stage of our Lent time, Ephesians chapter 4, defines very beautifully what a church should look like and how it is that we should basically function. And he actually prayed a couple of prayers in this letter prior to this, talking about all the things that we have in Christ to make this happen. And so last week we met and we talked a little bit about Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through uh, 6. And as we did, um, we, we, we kind of left off from 7 through 16 because that section of Scripture really is a big definer of what it means to be the church. Matter of fact, it is so defining that whenever I hired on here 16 plus years ago, the elders asked me, what is your vision for the church? And I said, I want to be a pastor that contributes to what we read in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. My hope is that everyone who comes into a church building can find a place where they can discover the answer to their question, how is it, Lord, that I can serve you? Because I know that when a person comes to the Lord, the Lord activates something inside of you. And that thing is a desire to do something that engages with his purpose. And if that's not happening, then there's something breaking down somewhere. But my concern as a church leader is I don't want it to break down on the leadership front. I want us to be on our game when it comes to that desire that God sparks in you. I want to, take, I want to see the, the heat and sort of the, 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 glow, the, the sort of um, uh, burning embers there. I want to see that catch fire. I want to see that come alive. And sometimes it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a missed opportunity because you, you sort of feel it, but you don't know what to do with it. Or we as leadership kind of understand it and see it in you, but we don't know how to direct you. And so it never catches fire like it should. And I believe we're in a moment where we can, we can take those two things that are trying to meet together and see a fire happen. But the only way we can do it is to understand why and what we're supposed to do to begin with. And when Jesus says, pray the Lord's Prayer, he's saying the why is heaven needs to happen here. And our question is, well, that's great, but what does that mean? And this is where the rubber kind of hits the road. Because as we look at this, especially this passage, we start to see what that means. 
Now, some of you I know have come to church, and this is the picture that you've seen. Right here, let's put that up there. I'm not sure what is happening here. Hmm, uh, what are we looking at? It's like I, I, I'm kind of feeling my way into it, and I sense it's kind of this or it's kind of that. And you probably heard that, right? That, that sort of story about the blind guys feeling an elephant and then not knowing what it is. And so, you know, the guy at the back says, oh, I think it's rope. And the one guy says, no, it feels like a keyboard. And then another guy says, you know, it feels like a, a rug. And the other guy says, uh, I don't know what that one in the middle is at the bottom, but maybe a tree. And then a snake and then uh, a spear. And have you ever come to church saying, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. I know the one who I'm supposed to worship, but I'm not clear. And that picture right there bothers me because it shouldn't have to happen. And as you look at the next picture, we start to put it together, but maybe it's like some of you guys trying to assemble that bicycle on that certain night of the year that we all know about uh, that involves trees and stuff. Maybe you're the guy at the bottom, you're saying, got this from, not Ikea, but Walmart, and they say, put wheel X on part Y, and you end up with the picture on the bottom. A not very rideable bicycle. And so sometimes you can look at the church and you can say, yeah, we got all the parts, and they're kind of where they need to be, but not exactly. And it's only until you see, I mean, if you never saw a bicycle and you have these combination of parts, you're only trying to imagine, hey, what is this supposed to look like? But if you've seen the bicycle, you know, hey, I think I can figure this out. And as you put it together, that picture in your head and all the parts that are laying on the ground, all of a sudden... The picture takes form in the reality of what you see in front of you if you assemble it correctly. You guys with me? So a picture that Paul uses often has a lot to do with um, physiology, the human physiology. And believe me, when shows like CSI started coming on the air, I'm like, I'm, I'm too queasy for that kind of stuff. I can't watch it. But there, if you were to open our, our bodies up, and all the nurses are here, I don't know, are saying, I don't know what your problem is, Leonard, but I see that stuff every day. You would see this. You would see this image of all the systems of the body, you know, like the immune system and cardiovascular and all of the stuff that um, go to make up uh, the functionality of our bodies that happen every single day. And we don't really think much about it until they don't work right. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I didn't know I had a hormonal system. Huh. Tell me what that means. Or I didn't know that I had a, um, an eliminative and oxidative system, oxidant system. What, what is that? And they're like, well, you maybe don't want to know. But um, you know that if all those systems are not working the way they should, you're not working. And Paul uses the image repeatedly when he's trying to establish churches all over the Mediterranean world. 
of a body. And the body has a head. And the biggest problem is the fear that you're going to have a body with 150 heads and not much else. There's only one head, and it's not me, and it's not the elders, it's not Jerry, the chairman of the elders. It's Jesus. We're all just playing a part of one of the systems that make the body work. As long as we keep that in mind, we may build the bicycle the way we're supposed to. And Paul has this burden because he's fearful that there are people already starting to follow a gospel that isn't the gospel of Jesus. And their church is already starting to function in a way that isn't really the way that it's supposed to happen. And we have to remind ourselves periodically, we start with Jesus, and then we work into who he is, and then who we are as we relate to him. And Paul mentions that there is only one, one body, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one Father who is God over all. And he's saying all these things are each a component of the overall picture. And you may be saying, Leonard, I have no idea what that has to do with me. And I'm glad you asked, even if you didn't. Because the next scriptures that we're going to look at really are the main idea for today. Ephesians 4, 7 through 16 shows us how each person, that is you, plays a role that will work towards the unity and the growth of our church community. And some of us come from backgrounds where, you know, maybe you're Catholic or you're from some other tradition, or mainly it was the paid guys that did all the ministry. But that's not what Paul is saying here. He's saying something else, that each of us has a calling I therefore, a prisoner, we read this last week, I'm just going to re re recapture this. A prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The first thing I, I think we've got to establish is, um, Jesus has done something pretty phenomenal for us. Easter's going to be the celebration of celebrations for the church. And we embody the kingdom reality, that is, we're the representatives here on earth, for the earth, of the kingdom come. And when we do that together as a church, the first thing that each of us as individuals has to do, we have to clarify our calling. And I use a capital C here because what that means is there was a day or a time when many of you said, I remember that day like it was yesterday. That is the day I, I came to the Lord. Or that was the day that I was baptized. Or that was the day that I just knew Jesus has given, a, has placed a calling upon my life and my life will never be the same. Some of you have been raised in the church and you never really had that definable moment where you said, yeah, that's the time. But the very fact that you're here tells me that somehow he's impressed upon you in some way, to, hey, you, follow me. And that's why we're here. That is our calling, to follow him. And then our calling with a small c is the question, well, if I'm following you, Jesus, and I'm part of your 
group or your organization, I want to know what I'm supposed to do, right? Don't you ever feel like if you ever join a group and you're never given a chance to do anything, then why are you paying dues? Why are you showing up? Why is this important? But a healthy group will say, hey, we need you to do this. Or they'll, they'll say, we have this need over here, and we want you to be a part of that. And we kind of want to see what, how you fit. And our job in the leadership is to try to identify that stuff. It's not easy, but until we all agree that we have a calling, and that calling is sort of a small C calling as well, because I can remember the day I was really just finally gave in and said, Lord, <laughs> you win. You win. Here I am. And the next thing he said was, I'm calling you to church. I'm like, no, no, I, I just want you. He's like, it doesn't work that way. And then after that, he said, I'm calling you to speak. And I'm like, holy cow, you haven't seen my transcript from high school speech class. Doesn't matter. It's a new day. And, well, here I am. And then the calling had even greater specificity. I want, I want you to go to that church and help them for a while, which I did. And I did as a pastor, but it's, in some ways it's no different. You are here in this church. God is calling you here, I, I presume. Or maybe you're testing the water a little bit. And if he is, you've got to ask the question, is the Lord calling you here? And we had a, 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 a friend I just, just made a couple of weeks ago came here, and he says, I'm new to the area. I'm trying to figure it out. Where do I need to be? And so I prayed with him, Lord, help this gentleman to discover where he needs to be, where he's called to be. And you sort of know in your spirit, God will give you a peace about it, but he'll also give you a sense of connectedness to the people around you. But then he'll also give you something that says, hey, this is an area you can work on. And our job is to help you be aware of what that is that God is doing in your life. So we have to clarify that repeatedly. My friend Rob, he just retired, and he was doing heating and air. And then all of a sudden, Rob just sort of instinctively says, I'm, I'm honoring a new calling. Literally, he starts calling people, calling them up. Hey, you going to be at the men's thing? <laughs> calling them up. Say, hey, what's going on? You, you took it really to a very literal C-A-L-L-I-N-G. And even whenever he was struggling in the hospital, I said, Lord, you're calling him into something. you got to keep him here. And so there is that exciting thing happening. And I want that to catch fire with you guys. Not just so, hey, we can have fun doing it, which I believe we can, but because... I know there's a lot of pain out there. And there is only one answer, and it is Jesus. So as we move into this a little bit further, um, we read this scripture from Paul. He says, but grace was given to each one of us. It doesn't say grace was given to Leonard and Jerry and Jason and uh, Brian, Brittany, you know, people that are supposed to attend a, who did he say it was given to? Each one of us, okay? 
to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high and he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men, um, Paul goes on to write, um, uh, uh, the next, let's go ahead and move into the next verse. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended in is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And some of you may be like, that's out there. I don't even know what that means. And if, if that's your feeling, that is okay. I'll break it down for you. Jesus mentioned this as he mentioned it in Matthew and as Peter mentioned it in his sermon, the very first sermon. Jesus is on the throne. It's done. He is, he has, he has kingdom authority over the universe. But because not everybody in the universe says, I'm on board with that, we have to persuade people to see it. Because God's a gentleman. He's not going to force you into something you don't want to do. But he is going to rescue you when you come to the realization you need a Savior. And when that happens, we can be confident because he is seated on the throne. And the, the, the encounters that Jesus had talk a lot about power and authority. You know, when you think about power and authority, maybe you think about the police or you think about the government or something like that. Power is a way of saying, I have the capacity to do this. Otherwise, you have no power, you can't do anything. And authority is, I have the jurisdiction over this particular domain to do that. And what Paul is saying is, he has authority and jurisdiction over it all. And that's important to remember. Because we're living in a moment where we're kind of skeptical of people in authority. We're not even sure they're competent. Let alone... Are we sure we trust them? And that's a problem. I mean, how many of you have tried to get help from some agency? My son is trying to get his car repaired from an insurance company. He's supposed to be in authority over this. And a month later, they're still stonewalling him. Uh, and this is the person that hit him. I mean, there's a police report. He was hit. And they're like, well, we'll and, and I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, wow, things are just sort of breaking down. But not in the place where Jesus has jurisdiction. But there's also a place where someone else has jurisdiction, even though he's been defeated. And the only way you know that he is in control is if you believe his lies. When he says, you're not in control. You're worthless. God hates you. Why are you here? People are looking at you and they're saying, what's that loser doing here? He's saying every accusatory thing that will beat you down to cause you to doubt that Jesus is in control. Why? So that he can keep his authority over you and his jurisdiction over you intact. And our job is to say, no. A blood-stained cross has changed it all. And if you trust him and you believe in him, you can know his kingdom authority and live in the peace of that. 
and live in the provision of that and live in the care of that. Now, I know that's a little sidebar for what we're trying to accomplish today in a short amount of time. But it's no accident that these key scriptures that we're looking at establish that Jesus is on the throne. He's on the throne. He's in charge. I'm not in charge. I'm just only good here as long as I am staying true to what we're reading. And I know my role and I know my responsibility. And the same applies to each one of us. And so Paul says this right out of the gate. And because he has that authority, he gave gifts to the church. And so let's just go a little further into this by looking at the second thing that um, uh, happens as a result of that. And that is we trust that God will provide what we need to fulfill the calling we've been given. And I'll illustrate that quickly. When I came here, I was a little overwhelmed. I mean, I in my head had some ideas about what I think I needed to do here. But it's one thing to have a bunch of ideas in your head. It's another thing to deal with the daily reality of trying to take a body of people and lead them through this. Truth of the matter is, I, I, I felt ill-equipped. But what I discovered was, as I remembered my calling, and every time I sat back and said, hey, you're called to do this, don't check out. You've been called. And if God calls you, he will give you what you need to do what you need to do if you keep your eyes on my son because he's the one who gives it. Okay, you follow? So every time now I've learned <laughs> that I feel like I lack I say, God, if you've called me or us to do this, I know you will provide. And it probably won't be in the form that I think, it's gonna, I think it should take or, or I think it should come from. It will be your way. Help me to have the eyes to see your way. And there's a little bit of an art to that, but just trust me. If God is asking you to do something, like call somebody that failed public speaking in high school, I'll own it. I did get an F because I'm like, I don't see the point. He says, I'll give you what you need. And I'll give them what they need to put up with you until you figure out how to do what you need to do with what I've given you. Meaning that there are a lot of patient people. I had to suffer through a lot of bad sermons still a work in process, but God says, you show up, I will show up. You don't show up, I can't show up. Because I'm doing this through you, the church. And the more our church answers the call personally and corporately, the more work we can do. Well, here's where Paul goes from there. He says um, in the next section, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we 
all attain to the unity of the faith and of knowledge of the Son of God. That verse right there haunts me, motivates me, inspires me as a pastor, because I see myself in that role. Um, the apostles are the people that establish the word of God. And the prophets are the ones who say you have a covenant with God. If you're stepping outside of the boundary of that relational agreement, we're going to call you back. The evangelists are the ones who say, hey, good news, good news. Jesus is Lord. Hey, the church has good news for you. And that comes in a variety of forms that speak to where people are at. Maybe it's just giving them some food. Maybe it's praying, coming alongside them. But it's just simply looking at the person that God has placed in front of you and saying, Lord, what's my first step? Because everybody that you encountered, you didn't just immediately say, hey, follow me or, or you're gonna, you're gonna, it's going to be bad. He said, what can I do for you? And there's something about us playing that role for the people around us. But there are people specifically called to help us to see that. They're shepherds. The elder's job is to keep the body healthy, reconciled, working through issues, helping us to forgive one another, helping us to be healthy in our relationships. It's a tall order. We pray about that a lot. And teachers help us to be wise. So this group of people that go to make up the church have a a role to play in giving you the word, speaking to timely matters that are deeply personal sometimes. Sometimes they have to do with just our life experience in general as Americans. Evangelists who tell us the good news, shepherds who keep us healthy as a, as a flock, teachers who help us to be wise. To equip the saints. Now, I honestly don't like that word saint anymore because I don't think it's useful. The word in the Bible is actually hagias, which, I mean, that doesn't help you out either, does it? Um, but it just means basically those who are, who, who are called or set apart, which would be pretty much everybody that follows Jesus. To equip those people, us, for what? What does it say? For the work of ministry. Who are the ministers here? All of us. All of us. Weird, huh? I'm not saying I'm going to knock on your door sometime between now and five years from now and say, hey, you're up for the sermon. But I'm going to say, hey, what's God doing in your life? Who's in your world? Who do you work with? What's your family look like? And maybe the question is, how can you be a representative, a vessel for Jesus to them? And you may say, well, they know my skeletons in my closet. They know my dark side. Possibly. But when they see him and you, they'll also know something else is going on. And Jesus won't let it slide. So this is a, a challenging message, but I hope it's a good one. Because how many of you have, have served the Lord? Just, 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 I, I, no, let me ask you this. 
How many of you who have served the Lord have said, I didn't know this when I started helping, but I found a joy here that was deep. Now, if I'm doing all the work, I'm getting all the joy. Chances are not because I'll be over-functioning. But if I'm helping you guys to engage in your understanding of what ministry is about and how to do it, and then you come back and you say to me or to the elders, I'm so glad I did that. I'm just ecstatic. And we find that joy on your face and we're like, yeah, you experienced the Lord in a serving way. You can't experience that from just reading the Bible. But you can't experience it by being his hands and his feet to that situation. That's what we want to see catch fire. But we also don't want, we don't want you to underfunction where you don't experience it at all. And we don't, you, don't want you to feel like, oh, they've assigned this to me. Now I'm doing this for all eternity. And they're going to forget about me. How many of you have ever had that happen? It's ha- it happens, and you start to get burned out. And so this is a little bit of a challenge for us to help you find that sweet spot where the joy stays alive. But one of the reasons why we can't find the sweet spot always, not, not everybody wants to do it. And so we, we tend to overfunction because nobody else will do it. And... So, my call to you is when God shows you something, anything, even if it's something you, say, you would say to yourself, I would never do that in a million years. I'm the poster child for I would never do that in a million years. So, I don't know if you have an excuse. But I would ask you this. With a sincere heart to pray about it. And then pay attention to maybe the people around you, the nudgings of the Spirit. And then, even though it's scary, take a risk, move into it. Because what we just heard earlier if God calls us, He will do what? He will give us what we need to do what we're called to do. There's a, there's a whole lot of stuff in this, but we're going we're gonna to just move on because I'm just sort of introducing you in a fresh way some pretty cool stuff that have to do with, I think, a great outcome. And as, um, as we're looking at this, I want you to see... Um, what happens as, it, as this occurs. And I, and I got this from Alan Hirsch, and I like what he said. He said that, um, that the A-pest is not like some rodent that is outside your you know, walls trying to get in. It is, it is apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And the idea is when we go through Luke like we've gone through Luke, and we look at the ministry of Christ, and we see how he postured himself towards other people, how he relied on the Father, how he prayed, how he engaged other people, 
how he looked at people through the eyes of compassion, and how the arrogant people, he found a way of calling them out. I'm not saying that we should go around saying, hey, I want that job. But when we look at the ministry of Christ, we basically see the exemplar of what we're supposed to do. Now, I'm not saying we're going to perform miracles like that, but who knows? But that vision is given to us in the form of the four Gospels, the body of Christ. And as we're looking at that vision and it unpacks, we find that it creates, um, see if I can read this real carefully, um, the, um, the faithfulness of the body of Christ. And there's something about looking at the life of Jesus that changes you. I mean, we've gone through Luke for, I don't even know how long it's been, a year and a half? Have you, have, do you feel like you're the same person when we started than who you are now? It, it's, it's wrecked me in some ways, in a good way. But I also feel like as a member of the body of Christ, I've changed. My priorities have changed. Some of my personal issues have changed. My understanding of my role in this season has changed. And much of it is because we just ask the question, hey, Jesus, you're leading us through the book of Luke. We're just going to follow you. We're in COVID. We got nothing else to do right now. Let's just do that. Man, what an adventure. And when you pay careful enough attention to him, and you're a part of a body of people that are also doing the same thing, and something is happening in them, there's something inside of me that says, I want to be faithful to that. I want to be faithful to them. Because we have something happening here that's larger than any one of us. So it's a mox box fox. Say that with me. Mox box fox. Feels like Dr. Seuss, doesn't it? We'll just stop. But here's a, here's a couple of things that, that, that I want to I end it on. And that is, as Paul is saying this, uh, fifthly, he describes, or I mean, uh, thirdly, he describes what he provides comes in the form of gifts, which are for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, if we say a person is gifted, we think, oh, hey, Rachel can really sing. She's got a great gift. Not really, but I don't know. Maybe, perhaps, okay. You could look at it through the eyes of, hey, hey, look at me. I got this gift. But it doesn't work that way. Hey, God says, you have this thing that I've given you, but I didn't give it to you. I gave it to them. I'm just using you to give it to them. That's a gift. It's not for you. It's for them. A lot of us have just said, there's a gift. I'm not opening it. You ever had a gift from somebody and you're like, don't think so. Might be strings attached. Might be a cat that, accidentally got packed in there? I ain't touching it. 
but it's not really for you. It's for us. And I love it when you guys use your gifts for us. So that's what he means. I've given it to you through that person or through them. The next thing he says is this. He says, what God calls us into, he will equip us to do along the way. How did I learn to preach? By a lot of people suffering through a lot of sermons for a long time. But even from the beginning, I was able to baptize people. I was able to help them to know the Lord. Because in the weirdness of my inability... His grace was more than sufficient. And that's really what makes it work. He just wants you to have your heart in the right place. I'll gladly follow a person who has a degree of competency, but maybe they're not perfect if their heart is in the right place. Then follow somebody who's got a different agenda than the Lord. So I know you're like, I don't even know if I can begin to digest all of this stuff. But I hope you at least begin to try. And eventually, you'll get sort of a sense of, hey, I can do that. You know, one thing that COVID did that I, that I didn't really appreciate was I love hot things. I like spicy stuff. I like anything I get my hands on. I mean, I have a limit. I'm not crazy about it. I don't like ghost, ghost peppers. But I like peppers that just... Bring a lot of zing to stuff. After COVID, I'm like, my peppers don't agree with me like they used to. Sort of lost my ability here. It probably didn't help that I, I nuked my stomach while we were while I was under COVID. But I'm like, this is, I want that. But I, the other part of the body says, mm-mm. So, Tell you what I'm doing. I'm not going to roll over on this one. I'm eating them. I'm suffering through them, but I'm starting to get it back again. I'm getting re-equipped for peppers. And God is saying, you just you jump in and you start moving and you start learning. You start getting better. And pretty soon, you start to get equipped. You look back and you're like, man, I'm not the same as I was when I started. Man, I didn't imagine I'd ever be doing this. You know, when I met you guys, how many years has it been? Did you ever imagine your life taking on the form that it has? Never. Has it been worth it? That's the thing. I don't know of too many people who say, I started to follow the Lord, and it was bumpy, and it was painful, but man, I don't regret it. I don't regret it. Because God showed up along the way, didn't he? At key moments. Every time I look for him, he was there. He's in all, and through all, and for all. We read that last week, didn't we? Oh, gosh, I love this stuff. But I know you're like, my stomach's growling, Leonard. You talked about peppers. It's time to go. So here's the last part. Rather, speaking the truth in love, 
We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together um, and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Kind of like a bicycle, only a body, doing what it's supposed to be doing. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in success. Builds itself up in, hey, look at us, we're great. Builds itself up in, had an awesome crowd today. Builds itself up in, we're better than they are. Builds itself up, none of the above, right? None of the above. But it looks to each other and says, how my priority here, success here by any measure is, is this body building one another up in a spirit of love? Because if it is not building, if we are not building each other up in a spirit of love, the leadership has failed. And so has the body. Plain and simple. I had a stray cat show up while I was cooking. And that cat was asking me a question. Do you love me? I didn't know that time because I don't speak cat. But as soon as I got that cat some food, she says, you love me. You are now mine. I, I, I never adopted her. She just stayed. And then I fell in love with her. She was my favorite cat. She was one of the tortoiseshell cats. And there was something about her that just annoyed me to no end. Because practically every week there'd be a gift on the front porch, a disassembled gift catch my drift but even though we didn't always agree we had a love and we can be pretty annoying to each other but if there is not an undercurrent of love happening here nothing happens not really by some other measure perhaps but not by the one that counts. Because when we look at that bloodstained cross through the lens of our communion cups, if you don't see love there, alongside, maybe it's your shame, maybe it's your guilt, maybe it's your, hey, help me to try harder, maybe it's, hey, I'm heavy burdened, thank you. If you don't see love at the bottom of that cup, you're not looking at it right. Because it is the love of Christ that makes this thing work. Because there's an awful lot of hate out there. There is even an awful lot of hate in here. But it is the disarming power of a bloodstained cross that changes all of that. I hope you know that you are loved by God in ways that your shame could never, ever 
obscure. He is heartbrokenly in love with you. But it's heartbroken because we're a hot mess. And we need work. And the more we get better at being who we're called to be, the better other people are too. Well, I've said a lot. Your brains are probably like spinning. So here's the two closing points. What we offer through our calling as we are given gifts and equipped as we use them is for the purpose of building up the church in love. If there was a bottom line, I would say that's it. But my goal today is this. When the process that we're talking about is honored, the church comes alive. The church comes alive. And the prediction is two and five aren't going to be around in five years from now because they're dead. As long as Jesus is at the center, you're not going to have a dead church. If Jesus is at the center, that church is going to come alive. First Christian is going to come alive. But we have to keep him front and center all the time, every day. Easier said than done, but I can assure you, very possible. Well, if we are healthy and we're mature, then we're a safe space for people to come and be a part of the body of Christ. I, I wonder sometimes what the safest place would be for a person to go. If they were to say, I want to join a group that is the safest group on the planet, you know what I'd probably say? An AA group. If you've ever been to one, those guys, they love each other. But they came to a conclusion. I'm here because I have a problem. And I'll own it. And everyone gives their testimony. And we're all kind of equal around the table. Because we came to the realization that we've wrecked everything in our lives because of our alcohol in this case. And we have nothing left. As I know guys that go to A for 20, 30 years, I'm not so sure it's because they've got an addiction problem anymore, but because it's a safe place in an angry and hostile world to at least be myself for an hour. What if the church was that place? What if we intentionally became safe people? It takes a lot of humility. As a matter of fact, you have to crucify your pride every day. I'm not saying you have to lose your personality. I'm just saying that you have to put him first. But I've learned this about being a human being. 
when I don't put him first, I get in the way. Sometimes I'd like to just think, you know, there's a, there's a burial plot out in my backyard and it's got me in it, sort of face down. But I come back to life. I bring my pride, I bring my ego, bring my, hey, don't need the Lord. And when I come here every Sunday, which I've done post-COVID, I think habitually, increasingly, Lord, I need you. I need you. It's funny. It, it changes everything. Well, I will quit. And now it's time to go to work. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us yourself, offering your body, showing us your great love and compassion, and giving us marching orders that define how much we are the hope of the world as we carry your good news to places that need to hear it in a fresh way. Lord, I know you are sifting your church right now. I truly believe it. And you're taking the things that aren't right and you're bringing them into a state of rightness with your son. And First Christian has not been the exception. And I have not been the exception. And I know the people that I'm surrounded by haven't been the exception. We've all had to ask the question, Lord, what is it that you're doing in my life in this moment? What is it that you're causing me to see that I've never really paid attention to before? Lord, what is it that I'm resistant towards that you want to fill that space with something even better? Lord, I know you're doing it, and I know you're doing it today. And I pray that if you're working in anyone's heart today that's being stirred up to a place, a place of surrender, where I feel like I can no longer do it anymore without you, help us as a church to respond to that plea in a way that shows your deep great and great and abiding love. I just pray for anyone here that needs to know him, that you would find this to be a safe place to do so. And I pray, Father, that you would be with us as a church to have a spirit of humility towards people that you see coming to you and give us the grace to know how to help. And so I want to lift this message up to you as an anchor for the foundation of First Christian Church. And I ask, Lord, that you help all of us in the room and even people beyond, people online, to be open to the question, what is my calling? What are the gifts you've given me? Who are the people that need them? And then give us the ability, Lord, to make it happen. Anchor us in that, Lord, as we look at the world and all of its brokenness through the eyes of a bloodstained cross in a fresh way and answer that call. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to open your cups.
said in the scripture today that we read in verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him, Jesus, who is the head, Christ. The way to make any real progress or have any establishment in the things that we're talking about today and the oneness that you've heard preached over you today that uh, Christ has for us is to come through the door that Christ himself is. Jesus said in John, I am the door. We come through him, we go through his cross, and we come out the other side in resurrection life. And in that we operate. We can't go around. So in our communion time today, this, today, this is where we lay down things. You don't need to clean yourself up and then go in. You go in to get cleaned up. And so come as you are. Find the Lord. He is gracious. If he wasn't gracious, he would not have hung on that cross for us. It's a sacrifice that it's a gift and he wants to give it to you. Even if you've walked through that door a hundred times and you've known the Lord for a while, be refreshed in him. He said, uh, he told us each time we take of the bread and the wine to remember him because that reestablishes us in the most important thing. So Lord Jesus, thank you for these people here, your church and those who are seeking. May you grant the knowledge of your gospel that the cross is where you purchase forgiveness and drank our cup and the resurrection is where we find our justification that you give us your stamp of approval and transfer us from our old life into the only life that there is yours pull us out of the things that we want so dearly to hold on to in the moment that you do that we will find and fully believe that we will never want to hold anything else but you what we gain what we gain is far greater than anything we could ever lose and I pray spirit that you would guide us in our prayers help us to focus on what is right the cross of our Lord where he shows his love and mercy and justice and it's for your wonderful name we pray Amen. your own time. You can stand with us. Thank you. 
this is our confession. We might have an emotional high from the volume and the emotion, but what we're passionate about is the truth within the words that tells us where our worth actually is and your ultimate worth. And you have counted us your own and you count your worth ours because you took our place that we might have standing in yours before our God. And so we praise you for this. We praise you in this, and let us see nothing else. Even if we should come here and it's burnt down and we have a shoebox with strings for instruments, let, let, let this be our song. Thank you, our Jesus Christ, our Savior, in whose wonderful name we give all thanks and praise and all confession of your worthiness. Amen. All right, we'll see you soon. Oh, sorry, we got announcements real quick. Sorry, almost cut her off. I'm sorry. I can't go neither. Oh my gosh. Okay, now I got two of them. Okay, so we got to go over some announcements today. Thank God for that service, right? That kind of set us straight where we need to be going, right? Okay. So God's given you guys gifts. We need help. We need help to reach the world. We need help to go out. So we do have an events meeting this Thursday at 6. I also have an outreach meeting Monday at 6. So we have the Joy Club that's going to be meeting here April the 6th. Our Easter Sunday, remember, we're going to be eating after on the 17th. And our community banquet, we need to touch base on our community banquet. That's going to be the 24th. We're going to have it downstairs again from 4 to 6. We're still looking for donations for toiletries and little gifts that we can put in our bag. A lot of people have been asking what size. I say God will move you on whatever size you want, okay? Because we can put it in the bags, and if we have too many, if God permits that, then we can set it on the table and they can take whatever they want, Right? So just bring what you can bring and donate. We're also looking for financial donations for the food to be able to feed. We're probably expecting about 100 to 150 people. So we need some funds for that. So if you're praying about that and you can do that, please uh, make sure that we get it to Brittany. The men's breakfast is coming up May 7th. And our fourth annual women's tea is coming up, ladies. Woo, we're going to get ready for that. The, um, the, uh, the theme this year is the broken teacups. Okay, so we're going to be having a meal then. Uh, the Holy Week's coming up this week, right? We have April 10th downstairs next week. We have the, the youth um, decorating the whole wing for the Holy Walk. So we're going to be doing that. So we expect you guys here about 4 to 7. And you're going to be, be beginning in the fellowship hall. So come in there and go down. Good Friday, 7 p.m. service. Easter Sunday, again, we're going to have breakfast in the fellowship hall. Okay, should I let you guys go now? Everybody's ready for breakfast? Okay. I love you all. Thank you. Thank you, brother. I don't know how to turn this off.